<laughs> All right. Hello, everybody. We're recording oh, another cut. Let's uh, play the intro, I think. Here we go. Welcome to Product Sense, the show where we talk about our favorite eco friendly tech products shared on Steam Hunt, a blockchain version of Product Hunt. I'm Dalio. And I'm Team Humble, and we're glad you're here. That's so much more professional. <laughs> I like that. Not it the makes me happy blockchain that, that, hunting something, something. Yeah. That afterward, you're always like, yes, thank God. It's not the only No, I just, I, I love it. It's just so clean and just to the point. It's I know it's not like clean, 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 clean. I know it's not full of adverts and stuff. And maybe that's the reason why. Oh, yeah. That's another thing I just found out about Anchor is that some of the shows just don't seem to have the the uh, sponsored things running on them and i can't find the link on there and i've looked around and i've asked i've asked anchor directly on twitter twice and they're just gapping me so i think they're running some secret thing where if you're not getting like loads and loads of traffic then they don't play them mm. um and they seem to get randomly turned on and some of them are turned off like we do have some of them turned on but um if there is a sponsor ad at the beginning maybe we just need to make this the sponsor things a bit more sexy maybe they found them a bit bland and they just don't know how to communicate and tell people that i don't know yeah well i did see that they posted um they've been posting articles like hey like here's five tips to make your sponsorship reads sound better and things so right you know like you get these just from us being in those jobs of having to communicate those things for our clients you can you can decode what that stuff means is like oh no you know we're not happy I, with I, the way people did these so now I we kinda, have to teach them i kind of don't like i kind of don't like that shade you know don't don't build a product like that which is like we built this it makes everything easier and then try and be shady like uh on the you know we need to make money on the side kind of thing um because what it does is sends a message out into society it's like well you're not quite good enough yet and then you've got that age-old problem of like well how do i get good yeah you know like and it, then for me it feels personal like a permission economy thing where it's like actually you're just not happy you're not in you the know? club uh, well it would have been one thing if they like released it right with the announcement like hey we're doing this and here's how to make it awesome like fine but the fact that it was clearly like two weeks later after everyone had recorded theirs yeah. and it just yeah. felt like a little bit like oh so you weren't happy and you had to be passive aggressive about it I just can't do I I just can't do that like pretend recording excitement about like hey did you check it you know I just something inside of me just like gets averse to that because I don't like being promoted to or marketed to like that so I'm right. definitely not going to do that I I think I just don't think we've got to that sales genuine sales edge yet where we're like yes this product is good I do like it it is good for the environment you know yada yada yada. And I think we will get there. We're just not there yet. Like people are literally still upselling like something they never used or never heard of before. So yeah, I mean, I we got I'm lucky to have a sponsor that we we do use. Like we do use Flipboard and we do use Anchor. That's two of ours. But the other one, the Skim, I'm not. I don't have any personal connection to the Skim, um, even though I'm sure it's lovely. If that's something like a service that you're interested in. Or I forgot what the other one was. Or maybe it was just the skim because we did Anchor twice. So uh, you're right. I think it's different. Like if we were shipped something and it was like, hey, have this, like use it for 30 days, try it out, see what you think about it. And then if you want to talk about it, like you and you and I are such good storytellers that it would just feel like storytelling. Oh, for sure. You know what I mean? Sure. We, we would absolutely crush that. But it, in the sense of it, it being like, and trust me, I'm not here to complain about the fact that we have a sponsorship no. opportunity because for like a podcast our size, that was never even a possibility until a couple weeks ago. Look, but look, things cost money. I get that. Sure. Know? But I'm not going to just be like, 
I'm not going to put on like a front and be like, your life will ne- will never be the same unless you use this product that I literally have never even downloaded. <laughs> like, bruh, nah, I'm not here for that. Like, I'm not here to, yeah. I'm not I don't here think to we've got like that hype, yet. the hype man. I don't think we've got there yet. I think there's a lot, I still, there's still a lot of like companies and podcasts and things that are not on a blockchain. Therefore, you know. Uh, all locked into a smart contract. There's no like, uh, uh, you know, if it doesn't work in two years' time, like Bye. I tell you a perfect example. I tell you a perfect example is a CBD company that I keep seeing who's like giving off like a million dollars, and people are like, "Oh, re-steam it for a chance of this and like for a chance of this," and it's obviously building up their social accounts and they're getting some traffic from it, and they are giving bits of money away and posting little mm. PayPal things and stuff, but. Those guys might not be around in two years. It's just a like short term ramp up the potential customers like play, you know, and they've got this like uh, Las Vegas place. Don't get me wrong. The guy's doing all the bits, you know, he's doing the community angle. He's like he's doing you know, YouTube taking a photo, getting it with yeah, his the whole Lamborghinis nine. in the, the whole, background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I grew up exactly. in a regular house and my mom <laughs> worked 17 jobs and now I have all of this. Yeah. Yeah. Warren it's kind Buffett of like on the top of top list of forbes magazine and i know his secrets i'm here to tell them to you but it's become a cat but it but it's become almost a caricature in itself you know it's like people have people have like almost switched off to that to the point of like you know okay that's your play that's your marketing that's who you are like i can either entertain it or not but without the heart of being gary you know uh, you've got to have the substance. You've got to have the substance. You've got to have the character and you've got to have the chops. You've got to have done it. You've got to have stepped through it. You've got to be the guy who's going to drive in in a New Jersey snowstorm the day before Christmas to hand deliver a box of wine to a just regular average Joe client. When you're that mm. kind of guy, you have my ear. Then you can ha- you yeah. can come in with the bravado. That's something obviously Gary did at, in if you don't know that story, but like and he told that story in the way way back in like the first book that he ever wrote days and like crush it. Yeah, and crush it. And like I read that book and I was like, oh, like I have, I have time for this guy and like the bravado and the over the topness and like the cockiness and the confidence. Yeah. That's something that's earned once you, when you've put in the, the work, the hours and like the, you know, so, but I think everyone just skipped that and they went straight to the bravado of being like, okay, yeah, yeah. Just shut up, set up the shot. And like, yeah, is a Lambo in the shot? Is it in the shot? Okay, cool. How's my hair? Okay, cool. Like. Uh, everybody's trying to experience uh, everybody's trying to experience what he puts out Mm. you know everybody's everybody's trying to you know take a ladder up on a snakes and ladders game without spinning in the dice yet everybody's trying to make a cheaper drone by the everybody's trying to do a spin-off literally oh (laughs) i've seen nice i like that (laughs) thank you yeah, I see so many entrepreneurs trying to like if they communicate in the same way as him, if they align with him, if they are you know doing something at the same time as him, or uh, you know that 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 you're not going to align yourself with somebody just because you, you know like you have to have the legacy. You yeah, have to have the legacy. You, you have to be able to call on it. Right. Right. You can't yeah. just buy so what, the so what, starter kit. <laughs> so what I'm getting at is that there's a lot of companies out there. I can't wait it. I can't wait until like sponsorship and uh, affiliate management and all that stuff. And don't get me wrong, I still do affiliate stuff for like VPNs and stuff because I know they pay out good money. And I also know that they know their marketplace so that when they get somebody on board, they they can definitely say that they're going to get a hundred dollars worth of value out of that customer if I bring it to them for twenty five. And right? you use that VPN, that. like that's your daily. Absolutely. You know, that's your daily driver. It's not just like. 
some random yeah. whatever. And it, if, for, especially just me knowing you, other people might know that might not know this about you, but like the VPN that Phil chooses is the VPN you go with. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because yeah, I yeah. know, you know, your stuff. I know you've worked for the council, like, you know, yeah. not just like, I would pick a VPN on a pretty interface. Let's be honest. <laughs> I know that. Let's call a spade a spade. <laughs> My look, VPN look criteria. The, it's got bears. The bears. I was about to say the bears <laughs> waving at me. The bears waving at me. <laughs> that was so easy. I'm yeah. so easy. Like, yeah, yeah. Just throw yeah. some bears on it. Yeah. Does the bear wave? Yeah, I'm down. But How much is the subscription? <laughs> that's always what we talk <laughs> about in products in this podcast and product sense, which it's right. like people have different different boxes that different products check for them. Like something that yeah. is just like so yawn town that you're into good, that you might hunt. A good segue. Thank it's you. Good segue boxes actually, because the, the title of this podcast is product nonsense landfill Christmas. Oh, happy um, boxing day. Happy boxing day. I'm Love saying, it. and it, it is currently it. Uh, the uh, New Year's Eve Eve. So we're just like right. r- literally pushing up against the window between us and the end of the year with this podcast. Right. And uh, we're right. like past the the fever dream of Christmas. <laughs> the really, fever dream. It really wow. doesn't it feel like one when you wake up like, whoa. Um, and... And now we have a bunch of stuff. Like we did all this stuff as humans, right? We expended a lot of energy. There was a lot of hustle and bustle. There was just like a lot of movement Mm. and friction and buying and selling. And now it's like the lull. And it's like, now is my perfect time to reflect and be like, so what was the zero sum game of all of that? (laughs) Do we all just swap Amazon gift cards? Because I feel like that's what a lot of families did. Like, yeah, yeah, I want an Amazon gift card. Okay, yeah, what do you want? An Amazon gift card. Okay. We both just buy plastic and hand it to each other and then be like, Merry Christmas. I mean. Oh, my God, plastic. We should just all do it. We should be do- they should have phased them out by now. They should be completely well, yeah. phased out. It's all digital. They do should both. Be. They do do both. But, like, people, st- people, I think it's an older generation thing. They like to feed. They don't feel like they've given something unless they physically have handed it to you. Um and wrap well, like it. climate change, you mean? <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> Physically handed it fucked. to us. There you go. That's 50 years of plastic sitting in a landfill. <laughs> Enjoy yourself. Oh, man. We're going for it today. But, um, yeah, why not? Why but yeah, that's, that's a kind serious of, topic. It's kind of what we do here, I guess. I mean, yeah. like we talked about this last last episode it was right before christmas and it was like you know i'm definitely not here to be a debbie downer definitely not here to rain on rain on your parade or sober you up from the fever dream but um you know it's just nice to be it's just really nice to be reflective and think about like all of the effort that goes into it for like what five minutes of package opening like well that was my link today my one of my first links today and the reason why i kind of put it forward is that you know one of my biggest beefs is is about how do we harness um, the digital stuff um, for to make things sustainable, right? So th- mm. this t- title is called "Harnessing the Digital Revolution for Sustainable Development." So the um, financial digital digitalization, the digital revolution, system level transformation of the entire financial ecosystem. So it's basically about moving money into um expanded use of financial technology so that we can hone a bunch of those things to get in alignment with um 
the sustainability development goals of the Paris Climate Agreement. So what I'm saying by that is that normally we have an issue where old antiquated systems they don't they don't do use modern day technology, um, and because they don't use modern day technology, like the, there's just poor optimizations across the board. So mm. I'm starting to, I'm starting to see a lot of these things pop up now, which is trying to make a better environment for those things to thrive. So this, like for instance, the factors of it can influence, uh, many factors can influence sustainable development outcomes. For example, the global financial economic crisis that began in 2008 and subsequent, uh, sub- uh, subsequent responses by regulators and poli- policymakers have impacted economic growth, job creation, and income equality. So, the the idea with digitalization is that there's a, a a long-term difference by taking on board these new business models driven by technology. Mm. So, we we have got so many advancements in technology, but a lot of these old systems are not up to date. You start to see it in farming, you start to see mm. it in medical, especially like some incredible advancements in those areas. But then you have like um, we're starting to see cities give, you know, uh, provide free public transport within the city, um, but the money to get those the 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 systems to get that money in place often is is behind, or sure. the infrastructure is just not is not caught up. So, kind of, I'm kind I'm kind of glad to see some of these things starting to pop up now. Well, if I- and a lot of them, no, no, go ahead, go ahead. And a lot, a lot of them. Uh, a lot of them are, are looking at things like blockchain. A lot of them are, are looking at newer technologies to speed those things up. Crowdfunding, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, like, for instance, in, in the UK, we have a, um, a platform called Abundance. In Germany, we have EcoCrowd. In Japan, they have a thing called MPO Bank. So they're all un- unlocking responsible, sustainable lending solutions. Love it. So that, that's, that's when you start to get money in the hands of the people who can do the job, but just never had access to the funds before. So I love it. I kind of, I kind of dig that because then you kind of, you can add another layer of abstraction on that. It's like, do you own these hunt tokens uh, or tokens for that particular thing? Hunt tokens being the steam hunt tokens that we, we're accruing by doing various actions on the steam blockchain, but on their, their web app. Mm. And they go on for another project. Well, I see a lot of these financial services doing the same thing or moving towards the same thing. So you might have a bunch of green credits that you've accrued over the last year and you might be able to get a low carbon footprint plane fight to somewhere and then use like eco transports around a city. Love it. As long as you've got a number of, you know, like just I, just, tokenized. I just feel like because, because it's like your passport to do those things and it, and it's immutable and it's, you know, you've definitely done it. It's not like somebody's just like grabbed a load of, of those tokens and you know, you've actually earned them for doing something else in the real world. And it's on a, it's trackable on a, on a open uh, silo discoverable. If you like, it's not locked away on some database. They're not just spun up like at a whim, which gives means that they have value. Um, Right. Well, I don't know if this would like totally trigger you for us to go out of order from the way that we usually do things. But my my first pick for a hunt actually feeds like dovetails perfectly into that article. Yeah. If you guys don't know, like we we just kind of have a Trello board we jump in and out of. So like Phil and I usually don't even we don't like we don't really discuss or plan these things out. And it's kind of cool when it when it works. So this first one um, is called Bioskin. It's a facade system for cooling city heat islands. And what they define as a heat island is like these pockets of heats of heat that um, that are buildings generate that are within cities. Mm. Like because there's just so much activity and things are so closely crammed. Um, 
And you were just talking about like infrastructure and things like that. And I absolutely love the idea of obviously this would take, this would take a huge overhaul in order to like update a building to this outside facade. Um, but what it does is when like, it actually, ha- it makes heat like just roll off of it. They have these simulations with like heat maps and things. And all it is, is it's made from um, this eco-friendly material that are like these panels that kind of go around the outside of a building. And I absolutely love that because we, what we like to do as humans is we build buildings and then we're like, it's too hot. Okay. Air conditioning. Let's just pump it full of air conditioning. (laughs) Like what I love, I love like a solution that's elegant like this, that stops it from getting hot in the first place, just because of like the arrangement of tiles and engineering by people who are so much smarter than I am. Um, being like, okay, let's make this, Mm. let's make this building itself like a heat reflector. Um, and you know, since, climate change is certainly a thing. I think we're going to have to think of more ways to regulate temperature that don't include using more energy, using more electricity, (laughs) using more Freon, you know, things like that. If we can make our buildings or update our, our existing buildings, um, to, to be able to reflect heat or keep coolness in, that's like, that's like a perfect Mm. solution in my opinion. So that's called bioskin. I don't think it would take that much to get that on a building, really, if it's going to have that amount of impact. You know, I yeah. think that's like such a clever. I, I, I mean, think, ja- the Japanese buildings- man, they know. I would trust anything. Oh, yeah. If they say this is what we need in the world, this is what we need in the world. It's kind of interesting. And I, I think that comes from the fact that when I think of the Japanese, I think of them to be a very calm, peaceful, very thought provoked. Um, reflective maybe thought reflective even yeah country who consider things you know like mm-hmm. really really consider things i mean you have to look at sony i mean sony was so ahead of its time on so many different things um and it kind of i feel like they put people first you know mm-hmm. like and and the planet as well i feel like that they're, they're not an insular company uh, country they they genuinely want the rest of the world to like discover some of the mm. characteristics of what they live by you i know? wouldn't mind living there if i'm honest especially after i saw that yeah. healthcare report card that you get when you turn 30 in japan like tell, they got tell it. people about they got it, it. I think on that's lock. oh my gosh i found i just stumbled upon this girl on youtube who um, married a japanese citizen but she you know she's american she just turned 30 they live in japan and when you live in japan at the age of 30 you go in for a bunch of tests which is obviously all paid for by the government pretty much a full body healthcare checkup from head to toe including you know if you're a woman you get mammogram done you get uh brain scans they scan your lungs they take your blood they do a full blood panel i mean really in depth then you get this like 18 page full color workbook of like, this is your body <laughs> It literally has a diagram of like this cartoon female human and like pictures of major organs and things like, um, diagrams that say, okay, you got an, an A plus rating in this department, a B rating in this department, a little key at the bottom that says, if you get, uh, between a C and a D rating, you need to come back for more tests. We want to look at this. We're concerned or D plus you need to make major changes in your life. And the whole, the whole ethos behind it is just like, Let's get everybody, let's check in with you at age 30. And like 30 is still very young in terms of, you know, Mm. how long bodies are lasting. They want to catch this stuff at a very, very early on stage. They predicted that this girl in particular may be at risk for uh, glaucoma because they, they, 
tested that her, the pressure within her eye socket was something that might lead to glaucoma. Like she's got perfect vision. She's like, I never even think of my eyes, but like now that I am 30 and I'm aware of all of these things and you know, the early onset, this, that, and the other thing, uh, I can deal mm. with it. And I can treat it. I can change my diet. I can keep coming back for, um, for checkups and make sure that things don't develop in you know, in a negative way. And I was like, dude, like if we wait till we, you got your arm falling off and you bring it in in a wheelbarrow, like with you into the emergency room. And you're like, I think I've got a problem with my arm. <laughs> And I've always been that way personally because I never had health insurance. So it was just like, unless you're dying, you're not going to the doctor. <laughs> right. And like this approach, and which also creates trust between the doctor and the patient because you know that they're interested in your long-term health. And it doesn't create this like fear and anxiety of like, oh, I'm going to the doctor. Because you see, the thing is, if you wait to the to go to the doctor till you're dying, dying when you go to the doctor, you feel like you're dying. It, you have that like reverse anxiety effect of being like <laughs> associating it with like, I've got something terminal, it's all over, you know? But like, right. I think there needs to be such a, I don't have a very, I don't have a positive relationship with the medical industry, like, or doctors at all. So that just being part of the culture and that, that to me overall just is a representation of like me being real down with Japanese values in terms of that anyway. I'm, I'm, I don't know what all of the Japanese values are, but that one I can vibe with. So I was so impressed by that. I mean, when you sent me that thing, I was like, you're winding me up. This is just some like hipster, like art thing. But the fact that they've actually got that and <laughs> kind of send it out to you and you do like a little review and it's so simple. Yeah. As well. It's like a really well thought out little diagram of like a breakdown rather than, I, I think, I think we can learn so much from each country's, if we really unpack to that stuff, I think a lot of these conferences that people fly to, they don't get that. They might sit in the audience and watch a presentation about something like that, but trying to go back to your country and sell that idea, like no, just certain because, things just won't fly. Because I think the medical industry kind of gets off on that exclusivity that like you and I always talk about where it's like, no, we're the ones who know you don't need to know, but it's like, you do need to know it's your body. Like I just, I always get the sense that there's a, this is like totally off topic from the podcast, but I just get the sense that there is a intellectual class system that doctors want to maintain so that if you learn too much about your body, then you, then they're obsolete. So it's like, I've never had a doctor explain anything to me about my body. Just like, this is what's wrong. This is the pill you need. And it's like, if there's, if there's no, um, if there's no motivation for, to educate anybody or for anybody mm. to feel ownership out of their own bodies and feel responsibility for their own bodies and be in tune with their own bodies. Like that personal responsibility just goes out the window and then it becomes this consumerist culture of like, oh, that's what I pay the doctor for. It's their problem. Just like, it's your <laughs> own damn body. <laughs> Get it together. Yeah. But that's part of yeah, the problem is that, that we talk about here every week, which is the, it's somebody else's problem problem. At some point you've got to like stand up and look at it and be like, all right, how do I minimize the impact of this on my on my life but then also when you do that you realize how much you want to spread that to other people like that message to other people you can do this too there is a little tweaks that you can do and i think i think it's happening faster than ever yeah. I, I do see things out there I, when i you know going to the store and have a look in the section where like the discount stuff is i can see lots and lots of meat 
being priced down because not, people are not buying as much meat as they used to. I, I, hon I honestly believe that people are like trying to stop, trying to change the diet. I would love that. Um, I, I, I see a lot of stuff getting reduced that you, you'd be surprised mm. about, you know, dairy, dairy and meat. And, you know, I also see things like stuff that's come out that didn't sell that would have sold if it wasn't too expensive to try like butters and stuff. Like I got this plant-based butter. I don't want butter, but I kind of sometimes like that on a cracker, especially at Christmas when I know I'm going to get cr crackers for Christmas. Um, and, but I don't want to buy butter cause I don't want to just get into a, a thing of like apathetically putting butter in everything that I do. So that is plant, this plant-based one is more expensive. Mm. So it's expensive because they know not many people are going to buy it. And the people who do buy it probably have the money to buy it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so yeah. sometimes I see a lot of that in the sales. But I think also we, I agree. And when you're trying to be budget conscious, uh, expensive is completely relative. But I think honestly, from the bottom of my heart, I think that the prices that we're accustomed to are so, so low that they make things that are made correctly, ethically, and morally, that's the price that they, those things should be. So it's like we mm. say they're expensive and obviously that I know that you're just using that as a term for they cost more. But I've noticed mm. that like I sometimes think about uh, if you can get 18 eggs <laughs> for 99 cents, it's like mm. there's something wrong. There's something that's got to be wrong there because and, – and it makes – it makes ethically sourced products look bad because a lot of times I think people think that they're just paying for the hipster packaging. And yes, that is t definitely, they have to stand out because they're trying to compete. But I think we have this idea, we have a devaluing of at what animal products should cost because we're used to getting them so dirt cheap. And that's what they cost mm. when really, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I don't want to just repeat myself over and over. I think I'm, I'm I think I communicated it. Like the, the yeah. price that we expect I mean, the older, isn't the price it should be. You're taking a life. <laughs> you know what I mean? That right, life's got to exactly. get to you. Yeah, and yeah. It has to be shipped. It has to be refrigerated. It has to be butchered. Like, There's how so can many, that yeah, be uh, 99 cents a pound? Like, how? <laughs> I've been, I've been, I've been, you know, I mean, I've, I've been evaluating those kind of life choices for a, a couple of years now. Mm. But definitely recently, media has definitely impacted me on that stuff. Like, I've seen tweets and things of animals like stressed out like going to to the um to be butchered and stuff like that because of people being really proactive activists being really proactive about it and actually it does have an impact it does have an impact on me because it changes the relationship with the food that i mm. eat and the source of it and where it comes from and my compassion for you know those animals now i'm not saying that we're going to just turn into this utopian world where all of a sudden we let animals just like everywhere like cows and sheep um, everywhere i mean there's got to be I'm some okay kind of that. like <laughs> well like a, a big field of like floofs yeah. big floofy clouds like you just can't yeah. move anywhere because there's so I'm many of them it. um okay, <laughs> just fine. kidding no that's Maybe that makes its own problems because <laughs> they drink a lot of water and they create a lot of methane like i don't know i feel like we've got a we've got a yeah we've got a we've got, a, we've got an out of balance situation For sure which I think we'll always have. I think we'll always have that. It's just that there's so many of us and so much like, um, and hopefully a lot of the, I, I say hopefully systems that get in place will connect something with something more than ever, but it's our relationship with it when we do that, mm. you know, and, and 
being aware of the impact of that, making the whole supply chain efficient. Mm. Uh, I don't know. I, I think I there's just balance that we need to get in kilter. Blockchains will fix it. Um, well, that's part of it. I mean, I don't know how long the word blockchain, I think it's overused now, but I do like the idea of some information being immutable. immutable like, and it's open. My new thing right yeah. now is that I feel like everybody throws blockchain, Bitcoin, cryptocurrency all together, and it's just like, oh, um, I, I lost a lot of money on mining equipment in my Brooklyn basement <laughs> and I spent, I got in at $21,000 Bitcoin and now it's four. It's like, it, it's destroyed everything that has those associations yeah. with it. Unfortunately. No, I agree. So I kind of, I'm kind of more interested in saying about the immutable part as in, uh, okay, this fish was fished here and then it, it made its way to this supermarket and you know, it's from where it says it is because we stored an immutable reference mm -hmm. of its journey and here it is on yeah. this chain, which you could never get before because it was all siloed away, yeah. you know, between the supplier and the, and now it's like more about the human choice. Like, okay, I, I know where this is from. Now I can make a relationship decision with that. Yeah. That's and how I see like it anyway. Maybe I'm training people and training culture and society to expect or even demand information. Like even people, even just mm. blockchains creating the habit of people being like, hey, can I get the information on that? Like I think the younger generation of kids are gonna be like, they're gonna demand information because they're they've always used mm. been used to having it. And once people have the information, then they can make an informed choice instead of it being the attitude of like, oh well, they the government must be sorting it out. Like they have regulations for this. Like, do you know what I mean? Just just to have a culture of requesting mm. that information and being like, hey, what's going on here? I think is really healthy. Mm. Mm. Um, I have time for um, one more if, you, if you're down for one more. Or do you have an it. article that you really yeah, wanted to, to mention? No, I was just, just going to throw two things together, actually. There was two links. Um, uh, one was from Treehugger, which I'll probably put in the, in the comments when I upload it, but um, about is this the beginning of the end for the traditional Christmas shopping? And it's kind of based in the UK, but it's talking about how bad like um, shopping on the street at street level and even Boxing Day stuff is not working anymore. Uh, and they're kind of speculating that we might have reached peak stuff, as they're calling it, like people are putting priorities on other stuff. Um, mm. because budgets have been so squeezed that people are just not like splurging on that stuff anymore, which I think is a good foundation for people to like readdress what they're actually doing with their money. What they and need. Right. And then, yeah. And then the final thing was that's great. That's great. But consumers are ready for full sustainability, but the brands are just not ready oh. yet. So, so there is sustainable advancements and customers want it but the brands aren't ready to deliver to, to, to capitalize on that and deliver that yet. So we're in this weird, uh, like after Christmas day week space for the whole of like, <laughs> um, the on street experience where like people do definitely want to pay the extra and want stuff that is sustainable. And they want, they want the story. They want the in interactivity. They want to talk about it. They want to share it on social media. They want to be like, I have this experience and you haven't had that experience. That's what we're in now is the, attention economy right uh but the the brands are not ready for that the brand the brands don't have the distribution and the the the, the um manufacturing things in place to deliver on that high quality high mm. level retooling recosting sourcing of those materials from those sources in in, in the same kind of price range so we're, we're in a really dead zone at the minute in terms yeah. of that 
But it's interesting that it's it seems to be turning in the corner. It seems to be happening quite. Yeah, quickly. I think that there's going to be like you like you said that's a huge ship to turn around. Like, uh, mm. you know, when Apple had, um, announced that they're doing like this buyback program of old uh, iPhones and they're trying to recycle the materials from iPhones, I was actually showing my dad uh, on their website. And they have this little robot. I think her name is Daisy. It's just like one of those crazy arm robots that's been hunted a thousand times on Steam Hunt. <laughs> but oh this God. is Apple's version. And it can disassemble uh, 200 I- – mm? I believe, don't quote me. It can uh, uh, disassemble something like 200 iPhones in an hour or something like that, completely mm. down to Damn. raw parts, like raw materials, which is wow. so, so valuable because that's the biggest problem with recycling is like getting the aluminum into the aluminum bin, getting the, you know, the nickel and copper, whatever, into its bi- into its right. places. But you, you have to believe, you have to know that Apple had the idea to do that maybe five, 10, eight years ago. Like, how, like, do you know what I'm saying? Like, how long ago was that an idea in a boardroom for Apple? at least five years ago. Right. So if they're just having that idea now with, you know, current companies is my point. Um, you know, it's going to be a while for things like that to come online. Plus you, it, Apple's got resources, like very few companies in the world have resources the way Apple does. So um, it's cool that they're like, yeah, they've got yeah it's cool that they're front runners in that, in that like, you know, trend or whatever you want to call it. But you're right. It, it is going to, even if they're, even if companies are waking up to it today, that there's a demand, like you said, there's going to be a lead time. Like there has to be, <laughs> just because of infrastructure and setting setting that stuff up. Right. So hopefully it'll be cool. Right. Hopefully it'll be. Uh, we'll catch up to all of our dreams. Well, it's some, something's got to change. I mean, like if, yeah. if I mean, I would love to go to like a sales at the end of a year, or not even a sale, but like a day after the new year. Maybe other countries do this. Maybe. Danish or Norwegian or Finnish or something like that. That that they're quite better like, than us. <laughs> Basically, yeah, exactly, is what we're saying. Yeah. <laughs> but maybe, maybe instead of like the sales, the relationship with like you're going to get stuff cheaper and therefore more of it. Maybe instead of that, it'll be like we're going to have like set yourself up for the year, like a sustainability mm. day where you buy a, a top or a t-shirt that instead of it coming from Primark is like something that will last I you love that. for the whole year. Or like year. a turn-in day, like the day after Christmas, you got all of this new stuff right. and then you can reevaluate what you don't need anymore because of the new stuff and be like, mm. I want to bring these things back to these recycling centers and they, they can be processed down into making next year's Christmas stuff. Like, I mean, I think you could, I think you could, I think you could, yeah, I think you could turn a whole shopping area, even one of these ones that are like shipping containers, like just for the month of January and just turn it into, instead of it like a, it's still a destination, it's still a shopping zone, but like all aligned like that. All right, we're going to, it's going to be all sustainable food. Yeah. It's going to be ethically sourced. All this stuff is ethic, you know, and you can come in and trade stuff or recycle stuff because that's the difficult part at the start of the year. And maybe just change people's Everything's like perspective at the beginning of the year. Everything as far as the yeah. eye can see is made from hemp. <laughs> <laughs> Even your okay. iPhone's going right, to be made so, of hemp. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Disposable hemp iPhone. Oh I can gosh, see it now. It would be the high phone. High phone. Hi, hi, uh, do you want to finish on these uh, last two that you uh, got? Yes, here? but I have to do it very, very quickly. I hope you don't mind. Um, running out of yeah, that's fine. Out. Well, we can just fin- no, we can no, we can okay. finish it up. We can finish it up. We can do yeah, that they're good time. ones. We can save um, them for next next time. 
All right. Uh, just a little message to everybody. Have a great uh, and happy new year. Celebrate safely, but be very careful uh, when you're out with the fireworks and all that sort of stuff. And uh, usher in the new year. You know, drive safely yes. home. Get pick. You know, get lifts and stuff. Don't drink and drive. All that usual stuff. Stay in. It's um, more fun I think that's everything. Anyway, I like being cozy. Put your long yeah, socks yeah, on and be yeah, cozy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, everybody. We'll see you in 2019. Bye. Take care. Bye. You can support the show by heading to anchor.fm forward slash product sense and clicking support this podcast or by checking out any of this week's sponsors. You can subscribe to product sense wherever you listen to your podcasts. And you can hang out with us on discord by visiting smarturl.it slash talkback. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.